welcome to Doing the Work, Frontline Stories of Social Change, where we bring you stories of real people working to address real issues. I am your host, Shimon Cohen. In this episode, I talk with Dante Barber, who is a senior youth leader at Friends of Island Academy, an organization in New York City focused on supporting youth who are incarcerated and after they are released from jail. We talk about Dante's prevention work of speaking to youth about his own experience in the criminal justice system, prisoner reentry, and the campaign to close Rikers Island. Dante shares about how he got into this work and his journey of change. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hey, Dante, thanks for coming on, doing the work, and being willing to share a little bit about your the current work you do and your experience. So I guess just to get things started, I'm going to ask you if you could share with the listeners about what you currently do. My job right now is uh, I work with a prison reentry organization called Friends of Island Academy, and I'm a youth leader at that place. And my, my whole job is to basically go into high schools within the city and talk about my experience with the criminal justice system and how my experience uh, basically molded me into the man that I am today and just inviting the people in, in our community, the youth of our community on this journey of change and, and just trying to flip the, the narrative of the, the negative narrative that we see in our communities a lot and the things that the youth go, to, go through, trying to kind of switch that into something positive and, and shedding some positive light on no matter what you go through, you know, you can, you can make it. There is a positive way you do have choices. When you talk about the negative narrative, could you say a little bit more about what that narrative is? See, that narrative comes from like, in our communities, you know, we, we're used to seeing the reality of it is we're used to seeing drug selling. We're used to seeing violence and we, 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 we're used to seeing these things. So it's that, it's that, it's that negative narrative that the, that's what I mean when I say that because that that's what you see every day and that's and you get you start to think like that's normal you understand what I'm saying you start mm-hmm. thinking oh this is this is normal this is a part of my community like this is reality you start accepting that as your reality when there's so much more to life like you kind of feel like you you can't avoid those things you can't get away from those things and you could get away from those things it just takes more effort than than others when you live in a poverty stricken community, but it's, 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 it's a possible, it's a way that you could avoid those things and being a part of those things and letting those things trap you into that negative lifestyle. And what's the reaction from the youth when you do the presentation? Well, the youth, the youth are great. They always ask a lot of great questions. They always ask They you know, they, they, one thing about the youth of today, like they're not going to let, let you just sit up there and tell them anything. You know what I mean? They're going to really dissect what you're talking about and really try to get the answers from you. And that's, that's one thing that I like about them because they're, they, they're seeking information. So the reaction is, is that a lot of them are thankful that, that somebody's coming in and talking to them. And, and a lot of them is just, they just, they, a lot of them is just soaking in the information. And sometimes when you, Sometimes when you hear things, it might not be as as valuable as it is at the moment until later on in your life when you're faced with certain situations, then you go back like, oh, I heard that from this guy. And, 
you know, you could always go back and look at things and be like, I heard that before. So it's that reaction as well, too. Like some people just soaking it up and then it, it, it triggers a lot of thoughts because when you talk about life experiences, people think about what's similar to you, from your life to theirs. And I know it triggers a lot for them. How do you deal with a young person who, you know, listens to your presentation, sees you, meets you, and comes away thinking, you know, Dante, you know, um, had this experience with the criminal justice system, and he seems like he's doing all right now, you know? So if I end up having that experience, you know, I guess I could be all right too. And maybe they don't really want to make any changes. That, that, you know, of course, that's a, a complex situation dealing with that situation. But the way I would approach it is, you know, life is always going to be, you always go have trials and tribulations, but you don't have to, your trial and tribulation don't have to consist of prison. It doesn't have to consist of any type of, you know, law enforcement issues where you run into breaking the law and stuff. It doesn't have to, to, to be like that. It's just that my life was like that. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you always going to face obstacles, but don't let that be your obstacle. You know what I mean? That's the message I would send to them is just don't let that be the obstacle. Right. I think I think that's a powerful message. And because that's some of the, uh, I would, I guess, criticism of programs where people share their story that I've heard of, um, you know, oh, young people are going to take this the wrong way. And Maybe some of them are, but some of them are also going to, you know, benefit from it, right? And yeah. and you might be the person who helps just that one young person who it clicks with to see that there's a different way. Yeah, of course. That's you know, that's my my mission is when I speak to 70, 60 kids, I, I realistically I can't believe that I that I'm gonna be able to, you know, make a complete turnaround on every single one of them. But if if one person could take it and and could change in life, that's that's very powerful to me. You know what I mean? That means I'm I'm doing the right thing because you know you pass on that empowerment, that 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 good energy you pass it on. Do they ever come up to you and say, "Hey, you know, I'm involved with this and this. You know, I'm I'm involved with this this aspect of my life that I want to change. You know, I'm getting in trouble. I'm kind of heading down that path, you know, what, what can I do to change? Do they ever come up to you and talk to you about that? Yes. I I've had, uh, when, when I did a presentation at a school in Harlem, I had a, I had a, a, a young lady after the presentation, she came up to me and she was telling me that she was currently on bail for a crime. And she, she had another charge that she was fighting and it just was a lot to deal with. And the most impressive thing that I, that I was impressed with is like she's at school, you know what I mean? She was at right, school, right? And she and 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 it, that that right there, as you could tell, she had a lot on, on her shoulders. But she was just she was just like figuring out, like, damn, how can I deal with it? And and I said, you know, a lot some like I couldn't really give her no logistic advice <laughs> on it because, of course, I'm not a lawyer. But the thing I did did tell her was like, no matter the outcome of those situations, just don't let it don't let it defeat you. You know what I mean? You got your your whole life ahead of you. And some and that's the thing with life. Like you can't control the outcome or the situation. You could just control your response to a lot of things in life. So that's one thing that I, I try to pass on to. And what are some of the other programs at 
Friends of Island Academy because it's an overall prison prisoner reentry program, correct? Yes, sir. How did you connect with that program? Did they help you when you were transitioning out? Yes. Well, I'll, I'll give you a little background on the whole program. Now, the program basically started because in, in 1991, they, when, when people was, when the Rikers Island first started taking people that was 16 years old to prison, they was, they was like, yo, you guys can't go to school. Like, there's no school and there's nothing. So a lady and that, that worked on the island, she ended up starting a, a school on the island called Island Academy. And when she started that that school, she was teaching the kids, but a lot of them would be released and come back two weeks later. So what she wanted to do was start a program outside of Rikers Island that could kind of help them transition into society. So that's why the program is called Friends of Island Academy. So basically, when I came home, I I knew a, a lady that I worked I had the pleasure of working summer youth with. She was my supervisor. And throughout all my, my 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 bad troubles and my incarceration, she always stayed in contact with me. And when I came home, she was like, yo, come visit me. I'm a director at this place, at this organization. And when I came in, I'm of course I'm I'm vibing and kicking it with her and just the vibe in the place. Everybody was just so helpful. And they just it, they passed on the good energy. And I got involved with one of my mentors. Mark Washington that works there, and he put me on to, to this youth leadership program that they was having, and I took an eight-week course on basically how to present my, my story and the whole mission. And from there, I just hit it off like that. I became one of the office, and, and that's, that's, that's how I got involved. That's an incredibly powerful story. And um, you know, as you're talking about it, I'm thinking your involvement with being able to get trained in that way and do these presentations is also, I'm assuming, helped you stay out, you know, not end up doing things to go back. How much, what, what, what do you see as the difference for you versus some other people who, who have ended up going back, you know, to Rikers or to somewhere else? I think for me, I'm asserting myself. It, 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 one thing about society is, when you return from society to prison, is like either you gotta either you gotta change with society or society's gonna change you. It's it's one of the it's one of the other. So you know the world keeps moving. Like you gotta assert yourself and really know what you want. And and I think that's one thing that that I had people around me that helped me to give me that motivation to assert myself. But as well, I had that that kind of self self will. Like I, I had that willpower that. I wanted something different. I thought about it in prison and I just was just willing to execute that. And I just wanted a, a different crowd and a different outlook of, of life, you know, and I wanted to experience different things. And once you start doing presentations and going into schools and, and just talking to high schoolers, you really get held at a different standard, you know, as, as in how you look at yourself, your self-view, because your self-image, because I can't be running around committing crimes and going into school and telling them, Right. You know, stay out of it's just it's just like like how do you do that? So that even more helps me tighten up on like nah, you know, I definitely can't be involved in that because that's what I'm telling the uh you know, the youth to stay away from. And one big thing that I always stress to the youth is you know, I'm inviting them 
on the journey of change with me. I like I you, I'm always going to have character defects and I'm always going to be a flawed individual, but that's why that's why it's a journey of change. Like you just can't just snap out and change overnight. But the key is to walk on walk on the walk on this journey with people that's trying to change as well so that you guys give each other a helping hand. And with that, that's that's how that that whole narrative of change starts to happen and it starts to look brighter and brighter. Speaking about change, what do you think is the biggest challenge of having of real social change in the work that you're doing and just in prisoner reentry in general? I think the biggest challenge is is changing is getting people out of their comfort zones, you know, is encouraging people to to do something different with their lives and kind of see the world different. It's and it's 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 crazy because you don't want to like you don't want to put your beliefs on people, but you just want to get people to see things different. I think that's a real big challenge because I know when I was, you know, running the streets and I was so into my comfort zone, like I felt like you look at change and you like, oh, you don't know. You don't, you know what I mean? You real, you real scared to do it. And and just, you know, people, some people are just afraid to, you know, step up and, and just be themselves. You know what I mean? Everybody, I think as humans, you know, we look to be accepted. <laughs> you know what I mean? We don't, nobody wants to be like frowned upon. So, but, but you, you know, you get a different, a different, feel of acceptance when you start to do different things. So that's what it was for me. Once I got out of my comfort zone, I felt I felt better about myself and the things that I knew I was doing things right and my conscience just felt more free. So it was kind of like pushing that on on youth and especially when they're young, 16, 17 years old could be a lot. You know what I mean? But it's so that's that's the real challenge. That's the real challenge to like challenge their thinking is it could be a lot on them as well because they it's a lot that factors in the, the communities they live in the things they see every day every day the household they may be in so a lot factors in on what they're being faced with as well so it's 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 a big challenge so dante what's one of the biggest things that friends of island academy is working on right now in terms of you know strategies for social change you know um prison related issues the biggest thing and our goal is to get Rikers Island closed. That's our goal. So we're pushing for that right now. Um, a lot of buildings on Rikers Island is is getting at lower capacity on their way to being closed. And I think the goal is by like 2022 or something for the whole Rikers Island to be closed for, um, for, for people that do come in contact with these criminal justice issues if they be housed for them to be housed in their barrels, not just in Rikers Island. So that that way their people are able to see them and the commute to them is is, you know, easier. And that's that's the goal, because Rikers Island is like one of those things where it's real violent. It's a real violent place. It, it it's not showing that it's that it's helping anyone. You know what I mean? It's it's been a bunch of instances on there where people committed suicide because of the violence that goes there by just, you know, just that lack of care. So it's no way you could ask a person to, you know, go through things of that nature, basically fighting for their lives every day. You know, after you're done with this, come out and be productive in society. It's, it's, it doesn't, that doesn't add up that kind of, that kind of thinking. So we're, we're trying to change that. And for people who, you know, don't live in the city and don't, you know, listeners who don't really under, don't know, 
about Rikers Island. Could you just share about how far, when you say pe- you know, people should be housed in their boroughs, how far, like let's say someone's from Harlem and they're incarcerated on Rikers Island. How far away is that? And what's that like for, a, for their parents, let's say, to go visit them, you know, their family to go visit them, especially if they don't have a car? Oh, if they don't have a car. Now, Rikers Island is in Queens, so it's on, but it's an island on Queens. So it's like it's over a bridge on the water. Like you're literally going on the island. And if you don't have a car and you're from Harlem and you got to go to Queens to visit your family member or whoever on Rikers Island, that's an hour and a half, almost two hour ride. Of course, the the, the trains, if you think about of afternoon visit or evening visit, you know, you could just imagine a rush hour site and the trains are being packed. And that's, that, that's an all day mission. Like you can't, you got to clear your schedule for that because you just never know how, how it might go to how it, it could be more smoother than others. Cause once you get off the train and get to, to like the stop, I believe is Queensbridge. You got to take a bus across the bridge to the island, you know what I mean? So you take a train to a bus. So you just never know how those type of situations run. So it's a, it's a tough travel. Yeah. There sounds like some major barriers to get there and even just people being able to, you know, not work that day or whatever they have to do to go visit family. And, and even if they can do that for one day, you know, that means there's, a lot of time that's going between. It's not like someone can do frequent visits, even if they can oh, do one visit. Yeah, yeah. Frequent visits is, is, is tough. It's tough. It's very tough. And as far as the organization working to get Rikers Island closed, are, are you on like, a, are you in a coalition with other organizations that are working for the same thing? Um, yes, sir. There's a, a, a organization called Close Rikers that's actually... You know what I mean? That's that's really hands on. I think they did really the the founding organ close Rikers right? and just a bunch of uh, other transitional and community organizations. Exodus Transitional Community Center. I know they're involved with that. Um, Strive is another one in East Harlem. They're they're involved with that. Almost every um, CCFY Community Connections for Youth. They they they're involved with that. Just almost every organization is involved with getting Rikers closed. Like they, they understand that you, they, it's, it's p- plenty of people that's been housed on Rikers Island that could come, come home and, and tell you a bunch of horrific stories on how the island was. So that's, that's one thing that, that we're trying to change. Yeah. And what I'll do is I'll put some links in the, in the notes for the podcast so people can, you know, click on some of them and learn more about that. All right. When you were, you know, out before you were incarcerated, when you were out doing, you know, what you were doing in the streets, as you said, you know, running, running in the streets, did people, you know, reach out to you and try to help you change at that point? I had a few. I had a few people that was kind of like, I had a few, I had a, like a one or two people that I could probably count on my hand that really would reach out to me and try to help me make changes. But like, it wasn't, it wasn't as, as, as hands-on as, and it wasn't as consistent. You know what I mean? It was, but I had some people and 
and I just, I just, I just was blocking it out and, and was just like kind of focused on, like, I really had no focus as well. Like, like I knew what was right. I knew what I wanted to do and I know what's right. I never had a, a, a problem with distinguishing what's right and wrong, but I just couldn't do certain things. Like I couldn't shake the streets and my friends, what was going on. I just couldn't shake that. And I couldn't live up to my full potential. But I had people, even people that I randomly meet, just tell me like, yo, something's different about people you hang around, something. You know what I mean? I had people tell me that and I could never even assess that in myself. So, cause I didn't know my worth as well. So. And you said the, sh- the shift for you occurred when you were, when you were at Rikers? Yeah, the shift uh, occurred for me when I, when I was, when I was locked up. Um, actually I was being held at, a federal a federal detention detention center in Manhattan. Okay. So uh when I was being held there fighting my case, that's kind of when the chain when I really started to think about like the direction of my life because I had been involved in the criminal justice system since the age of twelve. You know what I mean? So at eighteen years old, fighting a federal case now, it's like look at the level of my criminal activity just went up. You know what I mean? It's not getting no better. So, and and I had to really think like, is this what I want for me? Like, do I really want to be sitting in prison all my life or coming in out of prison all my life? So, when I started having those tough conversations with myself, I started accepting reality a little more, accepting what exactly I need to do myself better. That that's that's just really you know, I mean, you took it, you took you had an opportunity basically to, you know, keep on that course or to make a change and you chose to make a change. And now you're helping other, you know, now you're reaching, helping young people to do so when they, when they come up to you, you know, when you do these presentations and the ones who are, who are, uh, who do want to change, do you, does, does your organization help connect them to, to support? Oh yeah, no doubt. My 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 mentor always like he goes to the presentations with me, and he kind of chimes in towards the end of the presentation or towards the beginning. And he always like gives kids his cards and tell kids, "Yo, holler at us, come through. If you need anything, like just just come through. We go try to figure it out. You know what I mean? Whether we we go point you in the right direction, we go find a. If we don't we if we can't do it for you, we go point you in the right direction for organization. He's always like trying to reach out to kids as well. And like, it's just, just trying to give them that positive space. And, you know, it's, it's important to know people care for you and want you to do right. Is there a centralized office where people are coming on a daily basis and getting assistance and kind of the overall goal is reducing recidivism? Yeah. Of, um, this, we have an office in Harlem and that's where it actually it's a school inside Friends of Island Academy, Restart Academy. That's a restart school on, you know, from the Department of Education just to help kids. It's a very small school, about 10 kids, 15 the most. And it's kids that have been involved with Rikers Island and to give them that little smaller space where, you know, it's more one on one base where they could, you know, the teachers could kind of pay attention to them more. And and it's youth all the time that's coming off the island because a lot of the staff that's there on a regular that work in the office visit the island once a month or even twice, three times a month, go there as much as they can. 
and mess with the kids that's that's getting out and and they invite them and so they build relationships while they're already in jail so when they come out it's like oh i already know this guy and direct them in society as well so and what kind of services do they help them with is there like job search and things like that yeah they they definitely help them with jobs resumes just 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 uh like kind of rec- recreational recreational things uh, uh as as far as like art basketball just always giving them that positive space like when you come into the office when you come into to friends you know it's going to always be a positive vibe and a positive space and they're willing to help you with whatever you know what i mean it's been it's been incidents where kids have beef with other kids around the corner and one of the staff would walk them to the you know what i mean to their destination just showing that that level of care like you know, you know getting people to talk you know a, re- a remediation circle is where you sit down in a circle and kind of talk about things and get used to talking about things whether than rather than uh always acting out with violence or do, doing something that's you know could self-destruct yourself and others you know getting used to talking and having like a conversation about certain things so they teach them skills as well that's excellent. Sounds like a great place. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So a lot of the listeners of this podcast are social workers, educators, activists, and I'm just curious on, you know, what kind of message you would want to share with with the listeners um, about really about anything related to this topic, but also, I guess, more specifically about what maybe you want to just share from your perspective and your experience with all these presentations and your own experience about what, what people need to know who want to help this population. I just feel like, you know, we should, we, we can't ignore, we can't ignore the problems that these communities have. It's right. It's right in our communities and we just can't ignore it. We just got to put our best foot forward. And I know sometimes it's, it's a very demanding job as far as your physical, your physical and more mental, you know what I mean? You get, you have to give so much to, to the youth, so much of yourself, but it, but it's worth it. And just the more people that, that come on board and just try to get people to, to, to change and get the youth to open their minds to things that's, that's going on and showing them different. You know, showing them something outside of the the ghettos that they see every day. You know what I mean? It's easy to fall in love with what you see every day. What you see every day is easy to get programmed to what you see every day. But just showing them something different, showing them job skills, showing them how to how to manage money. These are skills that you know. For me, I didn't I didn't know. You know what I mean? I didn't when I came home and I, I ended up working and I ended up getting a job. I had to learn how to save money, how to, you know, how to go about opening bank accounts, how to go about these things and just, just, you know, helping them into from teenage, from teenagers into adulthood, because I feel like that's, that's some of the help that they, they're not getting, you know what I mean? They're not going to get that from the streets. Some, some kids like, and some youth, like when I was growing up, all you really know is the streets. All you know is the streets and, and what the streets have to offer, you know what I mean. One thing my my mentor 
had said at our last presentation, he asked the kids, he said, I bet he said, how many kids in here raise your hands if you know where to get a gun from? But how many kids in here know how to get a job? Like, do you know somebody that will offer you a job? And that's kind of the thing that you see in the streets. You know, every kid know how to know where to get drugs from, know where to get a gun from. But you don't know these things that, these life skill things, these things that you need to excel in life. So, you know, that's that's what we, we got to do as as people. We just got to lend that helping hand and give off that positive energy and just don't ignore it. Don't ignore what's going on in our communities. Don't don't walk past it. Don't, you know, that kid that you see hanging out all the time, try to test his thinking, challenge his, challenge his thinking, but you just never know how you can affect somebody by just speaking to them, by them just knowing somebody cares. It could change their whole outlook. So Dante, what's next for you? What are your goals? Right now, my goals is to, you know, continue doing presentations and just continue networking and and continue doing youth work and networking and and continue working my overnight job as well and just continue to stay alive and free. As long as I'm blessed with being alive and free, everything else is really a plus. As so, you know, I, I, I if you ask me in prison, I like I, I had a, a so big plan and my plan has been, bits of it has been coming true, but as well, it's been things that I've been blessed with, opportunities I've been blessed with that I've been like, yo, I never, I never thought of. If you asked me when I was in prison, if I'd be working an overnight warehouse job, I would say no. So, so you just never know the, the turns that life is going to give you, but is is I just want to stay positive, stay alive and free and continue to be an example for my peers and others and be positive. Yeah, alive and free sounds good. Yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> How can people support the work you're doing? I guess by just, you know, just reaching out to the Friends of Island Academy and just just seeing how what what ways that they can help, you know, if they got things that they could offer the youth that we could probably refer the youth to. Just just things of that nature is. It's like just simple networking, getting down and, and, and talking about what we could do to like make things better. And the more you network, the more people we get to unify on these issues, the better success we're going to have. And is there anything else you want to, you know, talk about or, or share with listeners while you're still on here? Just, just the, the whole, like, just, just being alive and free, just, you know, inviting people on that on this journey of of change you know just just that constant encouragement on this journey of change that we all need you know we all need we all need people to to uplift each other it's that's that's one thing as people as human beings we got to break out of we got to break out of that independent attitude where everybody's like i don't care about that that man that's going on over there that's going on. i ain't got nothing to do with that i'm just doing me like we gotta, we gotta be more. We gotta be more of, like, more consciously aware of our communities and unify more. I feel like we unify more on, on some of these issues that's going on in the world. We can make a change at all of these issues. We just gotta, we gotta unify, sit down, and and talk about things, whether it's uncomfortable or not. But some some conversations we just gotta have in this world, and the more conversations we have the more we'll be able to to come up with solutions 
that could probably help all of us. But the more we continue to ignore things and act like things aren't happening or live in our bubbles, the more the more things are gonna continue to go on. So let's like let's all just, you know, be a standard for change. I like that standard for change. And that's for sure what you're doing, you know, being a role model to the youth in your community. And I just want to thank you for taking the time of coming on the podcast and for doing the work to make your community a better place. Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me. Thank you for listening to Doing the Work, Frontline Stories of Social Change. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please follow on Twitter and leave positive reviews on iTunes. If you're interested in being a guest or know someone who's doing great work, please get in touch. And thank you for doing real work to make this world a better place. Thank you.